This past week, with three of my four children away at camp, I enjoyed a quick two-day getaway with my wife at Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. We decided to go whitewater rafting, deliberately in quotes, since it was more like a lazy river float on that day. Our guide was a vivacious woman named Liz, a former EMT turned rafting enthusiast. She entertained us with an interminable stream of Civil War history, ornithological tidbits, and social commentary. At the very end of the ride, it emerged that she was a real philo-Semite, and she was disappointed that she had only discovered I was a rabbi in the last few minutes. Liz's primary function as a guide, besides regaling us with her eclectic knowledge and sharp takes, was to steer us along the river safely, avoiding rock formations and navigating what few rapids were present. She did so admirably, to the point that Malka and I barely needed to paddle at all. I thought about Liz as I contemplated one of the earlier verses in this week's Parsha, Fa'etchana. The Torah warns, do not add on to that which I command you, nor diminish from it, to observe the commandments of God which I command you. While the enjoinder against eliminating Torah observances is rather intuitive, the directive not to augment them is quite peculiar. What could be wrong with adding new dimensions of spirituality to the Torah's catalog of opportunities? Shouldn't every seeker of divine connection embrace such supplementary touch points? As an aside, from a legalistic perspective, there is a great degree of fascinating discussion as to the parameters of this prohibition. Some authorities like Ravad insist it only precludes us from adding features to an existing mitzvah, such as taking five species on Sukkot instead of the legislated four. Others, including Maimonides, extend the prescription to introducing entirely new mitzvot as well. The implications of this dispute are wide-ranging and impact how we understand the reality that, in point of fact, the sages have always enacted new obligations and safeguards sanctioned by the Torah itself. But technical parameters aside, we wonder why adding to, in addition to subtracting from, the Torah would be problematic. Rabbi Shimshon Rafal Hirsch responds to this curious commandment by highlighting its juxtaposition to both the verse and the section immediately following. These describe the ills of idol worship and are imperative to extirpate it from our society. Clearly, denying any one Torah obligation is tantamount to idol worship, as doing so essentially renounces the primacy of God's will. But in effect, adding to the mitzvot bespeaks the same level of sacrilege, as if to imply that the Torah as it stands, lacks the spiritual punch to facilitate divine connection. The word Torah itself means instruction or guide. This repository of transcendent wisdom is calibrated to realize human potential, and altering its precepts cannot improve upon that process. In fact, doing so amounts to self-worship rather than anything sublime. Liz was a successful guide principally because of her skilled stewardship, maintaining our position in the middle of the channel, avoiding any hazards. The Torah is every Jew's guide in this world to elevated living. It needs no adjustment beyond what the sages were licensed to incorporate to help us achieve this goal. Each year we encounter this concept on the week known as Shabbat Nachamu, the Shabbat of comfort, immediately following the mournful day of Tisha B'Av, we celebrate God's enduring embrace of our nation, despite millennia of divine distance born of human deficiencies. The notion that our Torah provides such precise guidance through the turbulent river of life is one of the most comforting elements 
of our rich heritage. No additives necessary. Shabbat Shalom.